Welcome to the Godly Manhood Podcast, where we seek to encourage men to consider how they can grow in godliness as men, husbands, and fathers by sustaining themselves with God's Word and applying it in their daily lives. My name's Emery Phipps. I'm a student minister at Coinos Church in Troy, Ohio. And I'm Brian Barnes. I am an elder and life group leader at Coinos Church. We're glad you're here back with us again, sticking it out for another episode as we're figuring all these things out and just growing together um, as godly men and encouraging one another around the table here but just encouraging you all that are listening as well. And one of the exciting things that we've got going on today, we're going to do our first giveaway. We're, we're all kind of book nerds and we love books and taking books from other people. And uh, one of our favorite places here locally in Troy, Ohio is a place called Grace Christian Bookstore run by Paul and Heather Couch. Paul's a pretty amazing dude. Got an amazing collection of Bibles and some great books up in his store. And he gave us the Valley of Vision leather bound, beautiful to uh, give away. Um, So we're going to give that away today. If you don't know what the Valley of Vision is, I'll read a quick product description. Um, But it says the strength of Puritan character in life lay in prayer and meditation. And that's all I'm going to read because the rest of this is pretty long. Yeah. Google it. But it's really good. It's a bunch of prayers and meditations from Puritans um, on different topics. I enjoy my copy immensely. You can find reading plans that go along with it. Pretty cool stuff. But this is how we're going to work the giveaway. Um, We need reviews yeah we do we need lots of reviews five star reviews that helps us in the algorithm it moves our podcast up uh and helps more people see it so if you want to help support this pod help support our very first sponsor grace christian bookstore how could somebody win this book emory so what we would like you to do is leave a review on uh, spotify and apple probably the two top podcast platforms that most of you are listening on from what we can see Um, But go on either of those platforms, leave a review for us, some good positive feedback, and then just screenshot it and then email it to the Godly Manhood Podcast at gmail.com. Shoot that our way. Um, We'll collect all the names and do one of those uh, random Willowmatic, whatever deals that are popular on the internet these days, and put your name, and we'll get in contact with you via email um, when we do that. We'll say we'll keep that going for about two weeks. Um, So for the next two weeks, so on episode seven, we'll announce the winner. Fantastic. And I think that'll be a good thing to do. And we have another couple things going on with the giveaway. We've got uh, some mugs that I think would be kind of sweet to give away. We, we may have some flannel hell or hair island t-shirts. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but hey, we're, we're all about books. And I just, I've grown immensely from reading, um, grown in my faith, not just God's word, but God's blessed some pretty smart people with a a lot of information and understanding that I just don't have. Um, So we're going to do that. But um, thank you, Grace Christian Bookstore. You guys have been a huge blessing to our church in a lot of ways too. Um, So we're thankful uh, to you, Paul and Heather, for um, offering this awesome leather-bound edition for us to give out um, as our first giveaway. Yeah, I can't believe we have a sponsor already. That's uh, that's fantastic. I'm I'm so excited about that. And uh, yeah, people love free stuff. So uh, yeah, participate in that, guys. Throw in uh, a review, screenshot it, and get it to us so we can put that in the what you call it a wheelomatic. I don't know what it's called really. I, I totally made that up. Oh, okay. I thought that was just like an Appalachian accent coming in. No, I didn't get that in my my degree. Okay. Oh, okay. Never. Cool. Um, so, hey, tonight, I think what we would like to do is just kind of build on what we've done the last few weeks. Um, we've talked about um, 
you know, how we can trust God's word as godly men. We've talked about killing sin as godly men. Um, and tonight we want to, maybe, maybe this will be our most controversial topic so far. I don't know. Um, but we want to talk about that. The fact that godly men go to church. Yeah, they do. They do. I, that, that is a sentence I have used many times, uh, with men in my life, my friends, guys who maybe are kind of just looking for, uh, that kick in the pants, or maybe they don't know they're looking for that, but they're going to get that from us sometimes. And and that sentence, "Godly men go to church," is near and dear to my heart. Um, I grew up, you know, in my young adult life, not faithfully attending, and I think I was one of those guys who said things like, "You know, I'm a Christian, uh, but I don't need to go to church to be a Christian." And, or, my, or my favorite, um, I don't do organized religion. Yeah, I just worship God at home. Yeah, yeah, and and look. Um, I just want this to be, if you're one of those people, I just want you to hear this with an open mind, hear our take on this. Um, and I would tell you to put aside, there's that, that phrase that a lot of people use nowadays, uh, church hurt. And, uh, if you've got a background with some of that in your life, um, I'm going to be respectful of that. And I want you to know, uh, I'm sure that that, you know, is very legitimate part of your experience in your life, but, uh, we are commanded in scripture to belong to the body. And so go find a good Bible teaching church, uh, a church that believes uh, that the Bible is the inspired word of God and get your butt in there because you're missing, you're missing out on some great stuff. And when church is done well, when church is done biblically and is done right, your life and your walk as a disciple of Jesus is so much richer and there's so much more there for you than what you can get even on your couch live streaming on a Sunday. You know, I think a lot of us got in that bad habit during COVID and it was really comfortable to sit on the couch and eat the pancakes and do uh, at-home worship, but you know it's not the same. No, not at all. I mean, um, I personally um, spent a few years um, trying to do the whole, I'll just do church at home because of some, a negative experience I had at a church shortly after um, I became a believer and I was like, well... I'll just do church at home. And I think that lasted about three weeks. Oh, nice. Three weeks. And then there was maybe like some intermittent Bible study going on for another month or so. Then after that, it was like, ah, well, you know, I'm a little busy because I wasn't being held accountable by anyone. I wasn't allowing anyone to pour into my life and kind of kicking me in the pants. Like you just said a second ago and saying, Hey, look, this is what you're commanded to do in scripture. Why are you not doing this thing? And I think many people don't want that. I'd say most men probably don't enjoy being told by others how they're really messing something up. Yeah, that's right. Um, so we avoid it because we don't want to hear it and to our detriment. Yeah, I, I, you're right. But I think godly men, like good friends, real good friends, will tell you, you know, when, when you need to hear that in your life and, and be there to challenge you and just say, you know, look, you, you got a blind spot and I love you and I care enough to tell you I think you need to be going to church. So let's maybe start, this is a, an idea that just hit me, Emery, and we don't have to get too deep in the weeds here if you don't want to, but what, if somebody's not in a church, what should they be looking for in a church? If you, if they're off, they're on the couch for three years, they haven't been to a church, they came out of a a place that maybe they weren't, they didn't feel like they were growing, they weren't responding uh, to the teaching, I don't know, fill in the blank reason, how should they start? What kind of characteristics make a good Bible teaching church? Well, for sure, if you go in and they have fog lights, in the fog, no. Um, so, yeah, that's a good question, man. I mean, you know, it, it's real easy for us who, like, so for me, like, in part of my salvation story, I said, well, I just went to this church that we went to when I was a kid, and that's where I went to start. 
Yeah. And there were some things that as that progressed where I was like, maybe this isn't where I'm supposed to be. Um, and then I spent a long time away. Um, so for me, it was friends. Um, frankly, I reached out to friends who I knew were Christians and, and I found out they had exited the church that we were at as well. And I just told them, honestly, I've been away for a while. I've been just hopping around. I'm not finding a spot, not feeling at home anywhere. Sinful, really, because I'm not seeking to really be part of the, a body, but I knew it was wrong. Um, so I just went to some friends and I said, hey, wh- where do you guys go to church at? Um, because to me, if you have friends who you know are Christians, yeah. if they're that open and honest about it, at least that's a good start um, to go there. And then once you get in to church, I, I think there's, you know, so many factors that come into it uh, denominationally. Um, some of it's the less important things like the, uh, you know, like I joked about the fog lights and laser, laser machines. Show. And so I, I can't do that. I, I'm not looking to get like going to seizures or something in the sure. middle of the church service. Um, but you know, so for me personally, one of those things that I, if I went into a place that would be kind of a turnoff for me, unless the preaching was awesome. Okay. Um, Good preaching trumps, uh, trumps laser show. Lights, yeah, okay. I, I can I can inhale. I mean, I inhaled enough diesel fumes as a marine <laughs> that a little bit of fog juice isn't going to kill me. Sure. So, uh, so I think that's one place. There's a lot of websites. We've had people visit our church because they look on. I'll just plug Nine Marks. Yeah. Goes on the go on the Nine Marks website and and they type in churches in my area. Um, I just went to a conference down in Georgia um, for student ministers and youth pastors. I wanted to go to church on the Sunday I'm down there. I went to the Nine Marks website because I knew at least they would be aligned with me from an ecclesiology or a church perspective, what I view church as as being you know, or should be. And so I knew if I go to that place, I may not agree with everything that goes on there, but at least we'll have an ag- agreement on what church is and what it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the most common way people find our church is through their friends, which is what you just said. Somebody brings brings a buddy. Uh, and then it's probably tied in second place for either door hanger invitations and then the website. The, the website of, of a church should tell you some things before you go through that door. You're going to be able to find a statement of faith, and I think that's critical. And in that, you're going to want to know that they um, view the Bible as the inerrant word of God, that it is, it is the inspired word of God, and that is the basis from which they teach and preach, and that they don't, they don't bend on that. That's a non-negotiable. Um, if you want to go dedicate your life to serving and being served by a body of believers, you want to make sure that they're doctrinally sound, that they're teaching from God's word, that they're not manipulating or changing that based on, um, you know, popular culture or time and era and all of that. And then, you know, they're, they're also going to tell you some things about, uh, what they think God is or who, who they think God is and how they look at Jesus and, you know, is, I think. Go ahead. That's the key thing to me. Like um, I, I've told students as we've talked through some things here, even recently, where it's like, if, you, if you're talking to someone, you're trying to gauge whether or not they're a believer. I think a great question, who's Jesus to you? That's my go-to. If, if, you're, if your church website isn't really clear that Jesus is God, yeah, um, he's you're the one and only son, the savior, um, the only one who can save you from your sins. There's, there's not a checklist of things you need to do, works-based things. Um to me, when you go on that church website, if that stuff's not super clear, maybe maybe go find the next one on Google and, and check that out. Yeah, and I would also say, uh, as somebody who did the church shopping thing many, many years ago, uh, you're not going to probably fall in love with the first one, and that's okay. 
keep keep looking until you find it, uh, a place where they're teaching you and you're learning and you're growing in knowledge and understanding of God's word. Because we're talking about your soul. We're talking about the souls of your family. And this is a really important thing. So it's okay to spend some time there, but you can't quit. You can't quit looking because it got harder. I ran through four or five, six Sundays at different churches and I'm not finding the one. This is really, really important. This is life and death stuff for your family. So you got to do it. Yeah. And I think um, that's important when you say they're like, you know, keep going, but don't just keep hopping. Don't, that's right. don't think you're going to find the perfect church. Yeah. If you found the perfect church, you should leave because you're going to ruin it. That's an old, that's an old yeah. church saying I heard one time. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and we're talking about covenant church membership. I mean, that, that's where this thing is going and, and you don't, it, you know, yeah, you're not going to find the absolute perfect church. You're not going to love every song the worship leader, you know, brings on a Sunday. You're not going <clears> to <throat> leave every sermon feeling a, a sense of renewal and refreshment of your faith. That That's just not realistic. Um, but we're talking about aiming toward covenant church membership. These are people that you're going to be accountable to. They're going to be accountable to you. And, uh, and that is, that, that is the very nature of, of the body and the relationship there that you're looking for. And so, yeah, hopping is not a thing. Shopping initially can be a thing. Uh, you know, you might go to one where it's just a big motivational speech, get out of there, go to the, go to another one. Um, and this is not something you do every two years. We're talking about long-term commitment to a relationship with believers who you're going to be doing your life with. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you said that. We're not hopping. We're, we're looking for, to make a real commitment. Yeah, for sure. And commitment's hard. I mean, you're, you're, um, we live in a society where our weekends are precious to us. And then every night of the week is precious when we're, we're not working or, or, or doing other things or sports and things like that. So when you get into a church, I know like our church, we're big on life groups. And so um, I get to not only spend time podcasting on occasion with this, these three guys or two guys here. Um, but Wednesday nights, I'm at one of their houses, and, and we're there with, I think, 85. <laughs> 70. 70. Yeah. There's a whole lot of people, adults and kids, who get together and do life together, pray for one another. Um, I love that, and, and we'll get into this, but but separating into prayer groups and being encouraged but also admonished when I need it and told, hey, you're, you're really messing us up, or hey, um, the Tom Batty's really good for that. Letting you know. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's one of the others at our church and he's not afraid to say it, uh, say the hard thing. And, and that's really helped me grow over the years. And, and that's probably the last thing I would say about looking for a church is if you can find a, a church with a small group model, a life group model, um, <clears throat> that's going to really help you kind of go to that next level in building relationships. And we're going to talk about friendship and church. I think that's uh, paramount. Um, but that's going to help you get in there in a way that is meaningful. And it's not just that hour and a half on Sunday morning, uh, you're doing life with these people. That's the goal. And that, that's sort of a, you know, our church way of saying things. I mean, we're big on doing life together. That, that was, I think our motto for like the first 10 or 15 years as a church. Um, but that is at its core. That's what we see in the book of Acts and the early church. These people were doing their life together. And so small groups are a really helpful way to get into that. So if you're, if you're looking for a church, you haven't been in a long time, uh, find a church that holds God's word to the highest standard and preferably that hosts uh, small groups weekly so you can build relationships quickly in a meaningful way. Yeah, and I, I think what you said there about the early church, I was right before you started, a verse came to mind with you know, Acts 2.42 where there's a very specific word that was used there. They weren't just hanging out. They were devoted. They were devoted. Um, 
They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So there was devotion. There was a commitment to each other. Um, so if you come to a church and they're not kind of pushing that within their quote-unquote model, um, maybe ask them why not. See what, what their wisdom is on that um, and, and maybe ask some, some deeper questions. Um, and search scripture, Acts lays out pretty well what we should look for in churches. Yeah, and godly men aren't afraid to lead. So I would say if you're in a great church and they don't have that model, get a Bible study rolling and, and meet with a bunch of guys once a week that you're going to be, uh, you know, in, in, in communion with, but you're going to be, you know, building each other up, growing in, in knowledge of the word. And, uh, you know, you're going to be building some pretty uh, real friendships pretty quickly. And I, I think that's maybe the last thing I'll say on this, but especially because the, the start of this was, what do I do if I'm not anywhere right now? Um, and I, I like what you said there, like grab that person that you know is, a believer. Hey, this person professes to be a Christian. They seem to not be hypocritical. They're they're walking a walk that they're talking day to day. Grab that person and say, hey, will you take me out and show me in scripture how to grow? Um, get that going um, that way before you even end up at a church on a Sunday while you're trying to seek that out or, or just go visit with that person, like I said before. So we, th- we threw out a lot of words there. We've been talking about bodies, church, um, some people will say, well, the big C church versus uh, big C church or lower lowercase C church or local church, I guess would be the better way to put it. Um, so let's talk about, maybe define some terms real quick. So big C church. Big C church, the church. That would be uh, the, the Christian church, and that is spread across all congregations of believers all over the world who claim uh, that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who died for our sins. Jesus is the, their Savior, the Lord of their life. That is the big C global church. Made up of just believers yeah. um, universally. Then we have the local church. You talk about that one. Okay, so local church. Um, the local church is, as as the name would imply, it's a group of believers within a locale or a community um, seeking to grow together in their faith. Like at our church we say, um, we connect, grow, and serve. We're connecting with one another in, in body life. We're growing to full maturity in Christ with, within that environment. And then seeking to serve God together with the gifts he's given us um, within that context. So the local church is, is that. And we, we see that all through scripture. You know, if you look at the early church, they were a local church. Uh, Paul wrote letters um, to local churches, and they were shared um, within a community. We don't, you know, obviously some of those were in houses, and they probably got passed around to different places. But they were a local church as well. So it's made up of the Big C Church, but it's a local group of believers pouring into and loving each other, and then just growing together. And and there's a lot of things that go into that. There's accountability. There's love, encouragement. Um, within our life group model at our church, um, there's meals, sharing of meals, not only when you gather, but hey, someone has a baby, someone has a surgery, someone has a family member pass. Um, you do things to love on them in a very specific way, not only for their good, for for your benefit to be able to serve others, but for the, I hate I hate when people say the watching world, uh, right? yeah. but with the world around us who aren't believers are seeing that as well. Yeah, believers look different. And we're, we're called to, we're, we're commanded to. And, you know, we didn't make a meal for three weeks after we had our first kid. Uh, we had that, that church meal train fired up 
And my wife, first time mom, no sleep and just absolutely going through it. That church came, came in clutch. They delivered meals for three weeks to us. And I don't see that anywhere else in the world. You know, I'm sure that there are examples of that, but that sense of community and taking care of each other, meeting each other's needs is huge. And that, that's one of the reasons why I think we all uh, should be in a church. You know, it says in Galatians 6, 2, that, that we are commanded to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So, you know, the church is there to carry each other and, and in a lot of ways. And that, that comes uh, really well displayed in the way that the church done well and done right rallies around those in need. We saw that during the pandemic. We, you know, somebody would go down, somebody was sick, stuck in their house. Uh, we were doing front porch deliveries of groceries and, and whatever supplies people needed. You know, it was just really cool to kind of see the way that people rose to that occasion and took care of each other, running people to the doctor and all that, you know, I had fun with that. Actually. I, I was, I ding dong ditched people drop a box of uh, hostess or hostess ding dongs. Nice. And leave a little note. So that was, we'd like taught my kids some bad habits. It's about, a good way to show right, love. Drop that there, ring the doorbell and just run back to the van. We're taking off as soon as you get here. I love it. Um, they got a kick out of it. But yeah, I, that was fun to see um, people serve one another. I know a specific pastor within our church who like some people were like in a hurt locker and really sick and needed driven places and he's in the car with them still when we don't really know what COVID is. Yeah. 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 And he's just like, I was trying to hold my breath, but I knew I needed to get him to the hospital. <laughs> he was blasting you know? the air vents, had the windows open. And yeah, for the so, yeah. But that's, that's the church. That's the love we show one another. That's that's sacrificial love. We're supposed to model that Christ modeled it for us. Um, so we miss out on a lot. So I got one. Yeah. Let me give an example. I This came up in my family last night. I was telling my boys last night, we were driving around doing something, and they said, uh, oh, I know. We were going to see a family from the church, actually. And my boys in the back seat were like, do they know we're coming? And my wife goes, hey, you know, we don't do pop-ins, okay? And people don't, you know, people aren't popping in on us. We don't just pop in. Usually we're going to let somebody know we're coming their way. And my boys go, uh, that's not true. Um, the Spurlocks popped in on us. Dave and his family popped in on us when the ceiling caved in in our house over the summer and I said boys that's a really great point I think we should talk about that that is the world's best pop-in I had a crisis the ceiling in our guest room just collapsed from a storm there was some wind and whatever all the drywall collapsed all this blow-in insulation just everywhere and I sent a picture to David and he was there before I think the picture loaded on his phone with a giant trash can and some brooms and, and a ladder and just walked in the front door. And, and I was just like, that is, that is friendship. You know, that that's the kind of call that uh, doesn't maybe get answered in the world enough. And I thought that was super cool. So not only did they pop in, but it was, it was in a time of desperate uh, need on our part. So that is the church. That's what we do. We'll talk about godly friendships and things like that. I think we've got that planned for a future episode, but, yeah. but I think we miss out so much by not being actively involved in a local church body. Like that, that context for holding on to this idea that somehow this happened to me at some point in my past, therefore all church is bad. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to go to any church now, but I'm going to sit back and say, well, no, I'm a believer. I believe in Jesus, but I'm just not going to be obedient there mm. because that one's hard. And, and that I've been there. So I feel it's kind of like fat jokes. I can make fat jokes. Can't <laughs> say anything. I can, I can talk about that a little, I think maybe more aggressively because to me, I did that. Sure. I, I lived in some sin. I, I was in really deep sin doing that. Not, not just that action. Sure. 
but found myself in some really deep sin because I wasn't being held accountable. Um, I didn't have godly men pouring into my life. Um, frankly, my wife didn't have godly women pouring in her life to be like, hey, this is an issue in your house that you need to have a, have a conversation with um, your husband about. So, so I think we're, we're, so if you guys haven't realized yet, I think what two episodes ago, we decided to do notes. Didn't go all that great. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole concept behind this idea of, of this podcast, when we, we started it was to, to try to have an idea where we're going before we start, we want to base everything we're doing off scripture. We want to, we want to have some scripture to share, but it's really like, Hey, if I was sitting around a table at Denny's after I just proposed. Oh my gosh. I would have said, get that ring back. We're making a reservation somewhere Yeah, because I'm your godly friend. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it? I wasn't even a Christian at the time. So um, there's, we have a, a direction we're headed. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we've hit quite a, quite a few things there um, going to this. I think maybe let's get into, um, we are godly men. We're trying to seek to be godly in how we do things. That means we're trying to come from a scriptural perspective. What's in scripture? Yeah. So let's talk about some, some scripture that says for the person who says, Hey, you know, I don't do organized religion or, Hey, I'm a Christian, but I don't need church. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm in a relationship with God on my own. When we look at scripture, where, where are we going to yeah. tell people, Hey, you're wrong here. Yeah. So I think you just kind of right before that disclaimer there parlayed me perfectly into a, a verse I had highlighted for this. You're talking about sin and people having people in your life that are able to kind of hold you accountable to that we at our church hold to a, dirt, a church discipline model that is taken from Matthew 18. And, you know, we're not going to flush all that out today, but there's a verse very simply in Galatians 1, I think that helps when we have the accountability discussion. When somebody's in sin, maybe it's a blind spot and they don't know it. Maybe they, they're just trying to ignore this big issue in their life. There's a verse, uh, Galatians 6.1 says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And so there is scripture telling us plainly to the church, uh, there are going to be times. It's inevitable. I mean, as Tom Batty, again, to quote him, he's, he's a pot of wisdom. Uh, the worst part about churches is full of sinners like me. Well, we're all sinners. And so there are going to be times when we need godly men to come beside us when we're stuck in, in sin. And, and they're going to, they, they who are spiritual will restore us in a spirit of gentleness. And I think that's a very a poignant point. That might be the least um, convincing reason to go to a church, by the way. If you're out of church for the last five years and you're like, wait a minute, you're telling me I should go so that people can look into my life and all the stuff that I don't like and all the sin in my heart and, and try to gently restore me. That sounds pretty terrible. Um, but I'll tell you when that's done right, that is a rich, uh, freeing, wonderful, God-given thing. Yeah, that was a word that came to my mind there was, was freeing. To have people willing to do that, you know, I look at it from a perspective of if, as a believer, I know one day I'm going to stand before God. Um, I'm, I'm righteous before him because of what his son did on the cross for me as, as I've repented of my sin and, and have faith in him and I'm following him. The last thing I want to do when I meet him one day is to kind of come before him with some sort of disobedience that I've been holding on to a sin that I just wasn't trying to kill. Yeah. We talked about sin a little bit there. Um, so for me, I want people to tell me, Hey, this is, you're doing this wrong. Um, because typically my sin's not just affecting me. It's going to affect my family, um, other relationships, whether I want to admit it or not, it is. 
Um, so for me, having that accountability from other people within a church context, even if it's not like a, a church discipline thing, but just a, a loving, you know, the Bible says you have all these one another's, um, you know, love one another, you know, in first John four twelve. you know, to me, the most loving thing I can do to someone who professes to be a believer would be to tell them, Hey, you're, you're actually being disobedient to God in this and you should confess that sin yeah. um, to him, correct it. So you can mend the relationship you're breaking by maintaining that. Yeah. Yeah. You're making me think too about a spot in Thessal first Thessalonians three, um, where Paul, again, talking to a church, talking about loving one another there, he, it says, uh, may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. So yeah, I mean, abounding in love for one another. Again, you can't do that on a couch live streaming. Uh, you can't do that from afar saying I'm a Christian, but I don't need organized religion. Um, now you can't actively love the saints. You can't, um, serve those people in need. You can't mourn with those who mourn. You can't, um, be a shoulder to cry on for people. If you're not there, your physical presence is critical there. Um, and if you're going to church and you're not finding yourself in those positions to be willing to, or able to care for people in that way, I'm telling you to push in and go find those spots because there are a lot of people that need loved and need served, uh, in the body. And, uh, and you should be looking for ways to love God's people in that way. And that goes right there with that, that bearing burdens verse, uh, earlier in Galatians as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, Paul, I'm, I'm sitting here trying to flip. This is one of the times where I wish I did have the right notes and it's, escaping me and I know it's in Ephesians, um, but just talking about, um, the body, we, we use that word. Yeah. Going in there where, you know, many members, one body. Yeah. Um, people say, well, the, the Bible doesn't say anything about church membership. Well, no, it's, it's really clear what Mem- was going on. There. Members of a body. Members of a body. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can't really say, well, that church membership isn't biblical. No, it's very biblical just because maybe a word that we use today isn't used there. The concept and, what was being um, told, hey, this is um, what you should be doing there, church. It's very clear. And so we, we neglect that um, many times because of pride. I think we don't want to be watched by other people and the things we're doing because we enjoy, we enjoy sin. Sin, we shouldn't. But the fact is, if, it, if there wasn't a part deep down in our flesh that didn't find it enjoyable, we just wouldn't do it anyway. That's right. Um, so when people tell us, hey, no, that is sinful, it hurts. Um, rightfully so. Yeah. And um, the, the other thing you said there, and what made me think about the idea of, of being a body, not just membership, but we have people who, uh, I, I love that our church has a has a, a uh, process for, hey, who's here, who's not here, who haven't you seen in a while? I know some of our staff meetings are just like, hey, who haven't we seen in a little bit? Who do we need to reach out to and check on? Yeah. Um, lovingly. Absolutely. That is driven from, what do we not know that's going on in their life that would cause them not to be here? It, it is usually, you know, at worst, uh, real sickness, crisis in their life. Somebody's not here. They're not in attendance for several weeks. There must be either some real emergency going on or, uh, you know, may, maybe they're just spiritually dry. Maybe they're they're really dealing with some stuff spiritually. Maybe they're really struggling uh, in their personal life or with their mental health or something. And, and I think as much as we resist the people that love us when we're in those corners, 
what is good for the souls of those folks is to have those people that love them, those brothers and sisters in Christ, to, to reach out and say, hey, uh, where you been? I'm worried about you. And, and that is, is really good, uh, both for the people hearing that message, but also for us as believers to be disciplined in that act of love and service to somebody to reach out. And, you know, you don't know what they're going, what, what they're going through and what might be keeping them away. Uh, and so we ought to be tenderly and lovingly reaching out to those people. And that's something as elders we do regularly. We'll, we'll just kind of run through the list and say, Hey, has anybody seen John? He's not been here in a, in a month. Has anybody talked to him? What's going on? And if nobody knows the the scoop there, uh, we're going to reach out to him and just, just, Hey, are you good? Well, what, you know, where you been? We're worried about you. And generally, unless somebody's real fired up about something or angry about something, uh, they, they come back with, wow, thank you so much for reaching out. You know, that, that means a lot. Yeah. I'm going through something. So, yeah. Just a correction. It wasn't a fee. It's first, first Corinthians 12. Oh, good. Is, is the uh, section of scripture I was trying to find um, where, where Paul just talks about um, for the body does not consist of one member, but many Yep. uses that member word. And uh, one thing that I didn't realize, um, I forget who I was with, but I was like making a, a home visit with an elder at one point. We were just talking on the way there. And we're just talking about the fact that not only are those people missing out by not being active within the church, I mean, we can maybe have a membership discussion later, but the actual membership aspect of it, but just going to church, just being amongst other believers, not only are, are they missing out, but they're really causing the church as a whole to miss out. There's, you know, Paul refers to it as different parts of the body. If all of a sudden I'm, my arm is missing. I'm going to miss that. Yeah, that's right. I mean, people don't realize like they're actually other, others are actually being affected adversely because they're choosing not to be active within this body of believers. And if you're hearing that, Amory's saying that, and you're hearing this idea in your mind, like, well, I, I, they could take me or leave me, you know, it may, me not being there is not a big deal. I want to tell you, first of all, you're wrong. It's bad for you. And it's bad for us if you're not there. And then the other thing is evaluate why you might feel that way. Are you not participating in the body richly? I mean, are you, are you not serving so that your lack of, of attendance, your lack of service doesn't impact the body? Well, then maybe evaluate where you could be getting plugged in, how you could be serving the body well. And we'll, I'm sure we'll do an episode on service, serving the church, because that is uh, an integral part of my experience in the church and Emory's experience. We, we spend a lot of our time serving God's church, and it is so rich. Uh, it is so, so rich. And so if you're hearing that and you're saying, yeah, they wouldn't miss me, um, you need to, you need to reevaluate cause you're wrong. And, and that's just not true, but also, you know, be in there and being a, a indispensable part of the body that, that is coming with a heart of service, uh, looking to contribute. And either that's, you know, teaching the kids back in, in the third grade Bible study, uh, or if it's just being a greeter, I shouldn't say just, if it's being a greeter, uh, even, even the coffee team, I think the most, the biggest unsung heroes of a congregation, the coffee team, uh, I'll tell you hard for me to get up and be there if I don't know that there's a hot cup of coffee waiting, uh, at the entrance. So, uh, whatever it is that there's no small service, there's no unimportant member. Um, and yeah, be, be there, be contributing to the body. So as godly men, so this is the Godly Manhood Podcast, I feel like most of what we just said there just applies to anyone. So ladies, if you're listening, hopefully um, that was edifying to you in a lot of ways. But as godly men, why is it important that we specifically are in church? Wow. Different than this whole conversation so far, Emery? 
Yeah, and that was totally not in the notes. It just popped in my head. Like I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think. Like as we're talking to people, hopefully there's men listening to this who are like, Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, why? Why should I? So we can say, Hey, on, hey, these are scriptures. We can point to a, a scripture that says, Hey, you should be in church. You should be active in church, especially if you're a believer, mm-hmm. or you would profess to be a believer. But like, what's the benefit of it? Yeah, I would say uh, there, there's probably a couple answers. First of all, soul enrichment, general growing in knowledge and understanding of God's word, sitting under good Bible teaching is going to grow you closer to the Father. It's going to give you a better understanding of his word, his character, who he is. There's going to be an extraordinary opportunity to worship the God of the universe corporately that cannot happen as an individual. It just can't. I've got a verse on that actually, and we'll talk about that more here in a minute. Um, I'm going to give you that verse though about worship and why why godly men need to sing. Uh, Colossians three sixteen says, "Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart." Uh, if you're not coming before the Father, singing and praising Him and worshiping in that way you're not experiencing worship in the way that we're commanded to in scripture. You're not participating or contributing to that worship in the way that we're commanded to in scripture. And if you come to that with an open heart, fully pointed uh, at the glory of God, when you're singing praises to that God, that is so good for you, whether you realize it or not, even if you're just doing it out of obedience to God, if that's, you know, if you're, you're playing rookie ball, this is like, I'm brand new to worship. I don't like it makes me uncomfortable. People might hear me sing. I want you to know that you're obeying the commands of scripture. Start there. Start with, I will do it just out of obedience. And there's great joy in that, that people don't consider. And that will grow in you a desire to worship. And you, and, and that is something to pray about. If you just absolutely dread the first 20 minutes of church, because it's all singing, you need to be in prayer about that because Ask the Lord, appeal to the Lord to turn your heart in that way, to help you appreciate and understand what godly worship is, that, that when we sing, it's not about us. It's not about the guys on stage uh, who worked really hard to, to prepare that, to lead you in that way. It's about God. It is not light or insignificant. We're coming together to worship a holy God, and the Bible tells us, God tells us to do that with song. And I got a newsflash for those of you who are like in that group of like, well, I just hate the singing part. Yeah. You're gonna hate heaven, <laughs> like because it's pretty clear what's going down there. Yeah, yeah. There's gonna be a, a tone and a spirit and a culture of worship in heaven. I'm just hoping in my glorified body that I'll actually be able to sing. Well, better because, than you do now. You mean? Oh man, like yeah. So I love to sing. I'm sure. Horrible at it. I'm, I'm the joyful noisemaker. Got it. And so it's fun. Like I remember one time. So my buddy Steve Norris. Um, I think he like at one point was like doing something at Cedarville worship related, but he's a cop now, but he, so he sings really, really good. He's got heavenly pipes. Oh yeah. Okay. Amazing singer. And then you got Tom Batty. Yeah. Right, right over to the, like right behind me. Classically trained. And my wife, my Stop. daughter. Yeah. Who all can sing. And then there's me. It sounds like somebody's stomping on a duck. Um, so I say that to say the whole idea of, oh, I can't sing. Not a good enough excuse. 
You know, uh, David just brought up a really good point. I don't know why he doesn't just turn on his microphone. Yeah, he has the mute button there. Come on, man. Um, David, why don't you talk about this? You're you're a newish to church in a committed way here a few years now. Talk about worship uh, there. That that note is really good. So yeah, it was the men's retreat that we're going to have coming up. Been going to that for a few years now, and there is nothing more powerful than a room full of 30, 40 guys just singing to the Lord. It's an amazing thing. No lasers. No lasers. No no smoke machines. One guy in the guitar. Well, we did have the fireplace that time blowing smoke into the room. That was a flu issue, and flu two issue. got two guys got carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah, but it was just it was it's powerful. The first time I attended, it was just one of those moments that that you don't forget, and then you want to repeat every year, and then you go in there every Sunday, repeat it with your family. It's it's a very powerful thing to just stand up, sing out loud to God, knowing that you're surrounded by other believers. I don't think there's anything. Uh, more praising to God. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Sometimes at its rawest uh, element, uh, worship is just the most powerful. And there is something about a bunch of guys singing praises that is not, it hits different. It does. In a normal church service. There's a vulnerability in it because you just know as a man, these guys are stepping over a hurdle to get there because naturally it's a little uncomfortable, especially in a setting where it's, it's just 40 dudes in a small room and one acoustic guitar. You can't hide behind the congregation of hundreds of people, uh, and their voices being better or lifted up or whatever. Uh, we're just coming in raw and we're praising God. Okay. You've got some statistics that I think are super helpful, but I want to do an ad read before, okay. before we okay, get there. Okay. So, uh, we've got another sponsor that we just want to talk about real quick. Are you in the market for a statue of two squirrels fighting? Yes. Do you need a haircut? No. Well, your bald head looks great tonight. I was going to compliment that. Uh, are you are you interested in precious metals entwined in beautiful jewelry and knickknacks? Knickknacks. Knickknacks. Is that is that the the Michigan coming out? If there? if if this sounds good to you. Uh, we strongly encourage you to check out uh, our newest sponsor, Feral Child. It is a wonderful retailer and haircut business in Troy on the square. Salon and eclectic boutique. Eclect. Oh my goodness, eclectic boutique. Yes. Any. Um, th- there's a lot of I would say things in the forged metals category. In really, I would just say it's just art in its rawest form. We got a beautiful tiger statue there. In our home now, thank you. She has a sweet tiger rug in there now, too. And I scored a Bigfoot air fresher for my truck. I want you listeners to consider the last time you were in a single retail space that offered tiger statues, air fresheners that look like Bigfoot, and bowl cuts, or other fancier haircuts. I dare you to give me one example. Uh, You can't do it, so you need to go check out Feral Child at uh, 1 East Main Street, Suite 103 in Troy, Ohio. Brand new location uh, right there on the square if you're in Southwest Ohio. If you're not in Southwest Ohio, God bless you. Check it out on the internet. She'll ship things. She will ship things. And, uh, you know, Christmas is right around the corner. So if you've got a loved one who is challenging to shop for, they have a passion for, I would say, samurai culture or Mexican food, Feral child. Feral child. And uh, if you do go in there with your teenage daughter, prepare to drop some coin for some vintage clothing that uh, you weren't planning on buying that day. 
I, I uh, will shamefully tell you, I've not been in the place since they opened. I was there before they opened. Uh, David and I moved in a glass display case, and one of us dropped it. But it, it was incredible then, and I've only heard better things now. And my money has gone into that store and not come out, uh, thanks to my beautiful wife. So I would just say, um, for the eclectic in your life, this is, this is the answer. Feral Child, Troy, Ohio, check it out. Okay, and we want to thank that sponsor, of course, for their dedication to the Godly Manhood Podcast. Emery, talk to us about some, I would say, eye-opening statistics about why godly men need to go to church and why leading your family well toward Christ uh, is, it is incredibly important to be in a church. So yeah, there was a, a study done by a place called Touchstone a few years ago um, that says uh, when the mother attends regularly, only 2% of their children will attend regularly. Um, but 37% will attend irregularly. It says if the father attends regularly and the mother doesn't, 44% of children will be regular church attenders. When so, they grow up? Or as, as children? As, as children. Got it. Like, okay. So they'll go with the dad going because dad's leading. Got it. Family's following them. Um, and then just some other cool ones that I read. A Lifeway study said uh, that if a child's the first person in a household to become a Christian, there's a 3.5% probability that everyone in the household will follow. Just that's a child. So coming to VBS, coming to Faith in Christ, tell them, hey, come with me. 3.5%. If the mother is, 17% probability that everyone in the house will follow. But if the father is the one who comes to faith in Christ, becomes actively attending a church and serving and just being there, there's a 93% probability of the whole household following him. Um, And I think that's being in in the role that I am within our church. We're blessed within our student ministry to have a whole lot of godly dads um, who make it a priority, even, even if their student isn't regularly attending youth group on Sunday night, their kids are there on Sunday mornings. Yeah. It's a priority for them to be there. They're there in church. Um, it's modeled for them. They're being led well by So we're blessed immensely as a student ministry. I can't say enough good things about the dads of Koinos leading um, their families that way. But yeah, it's, it's a big deal for a dad man yeah to to model that so that that carries over not just your kids um your friends people seeing that you know you're if you're going to lead you lead many places and it's important yeah i you know where go the men so go the church and where go the men so go the family uh whether you like it or not you're called to be the leader of your family you bear that burden of responsibility to lead spiritually. And that is terrifying for men who are new believers or, or maybe baby Christians. To Sorry to refer to you as that, but that is very, very scary. And that is a great burden. However, everything you need to know about how to do that can be found in Scripture. And there are lots and lots of godly men at your church or the church up the road from you that you're not going to that would love to come alongside you and say, Hey, I've done this for a long time. Let me model this for you. Let me talk to you about what it says in Ephesians 5 about how to be a godly husband to your wife. Let me talk to you about the many, many passages in Scripture, the Proverbs alone, uh, about how to raise uh, children, godly children, or in a home uh, that worships God. Uh, and and th- there are models for that, and there are men who would love to come alongside you and walk you through what that means. So take that call seriously that, that that is a certainly a burden but it's also a great honor and when it's done well your family will benefit significantly 
and it doesn't have to be done well to start. Not at all. You're going to screw it up. You're going to, I mess it up all the time, but God in his grace, like redeems those moments where it's like, all right, I just got to try to get my boys focused. You know, Jonathan, I, I love, he, he was here at a life group when we hosted a life group years ago. Um, and he came in, he was just talking about how in his house, and I was going through the season with my boys, they were, but at the time, like three and six or something like that. So we'd be doing family worship and, you know, one would be like standing on his head with his feet kind of kicked in the air. The other one's got feet thrown over the back of the couch. And I was at this point of just frustration. Well, here comes Jonathan, the pastor of the church, and he's in talking to our life group about the importance of family worship. And he's like, hey, you're, it's okay. If your kids are doing these things, he said, this happened at my house. And I'm like, oh man, that's happening in my house right now. He's like, just know something will stick. And it wasn't probably about a week and a half later, just during normal function of the day around the house. My son Houston at the time was probably, he's probably seven at the time. And I don't even remember what it was, but something happened. And he goes, oh, hey, that's like what we talked about last week um, during family worship. It's like that story about so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, you were, you were like, had a mouthful of goldfish, feet hanging off the back of the couch. I thought you were on your own little world. You heard that? Yeah. And it was just um, awesome because in the moment, I'm like, I'm failing so hard at this. Yeah. But just doing it, my kids were hearing things. Um, and it was, so I would just, I say that to encourage anyone who's just on the fence. Or maybe, I mean, man, I've, I've got friends that I know who have said, well, my wife is further along in her spiritual maturity than me. How can I lead my wife? Oh well, well. First off, you're—it's not an option in Scripture. You're the leader of your home if you're a Christian man. Yeah. And if you recognize it about yourself, then then go grab some people and say that. Hey, I'm not spiritually mature enough. I feel to lead my family. What do I do? And just start. Um, it's one of those things. I probably sounds horrible to say that, but it's just worth worth doing poorly. Absolutely. As long as you're doing it. <clears throat> and you'll get better at it. And I think if you're in that position where maybe your wife's further along, just know, first of all, that woman is an incredible blessing from the Lord. Yep. She deserves to have a godly man leading her well. And your marriage will grow so much. And it will grow so much richer if you're doing that side by side. Even if she's maybe got the memory verses down better than you and she's been doing this a long time, that's okay. There's not a godly woman on the planet who wouldn't be doing backflips for her husband to say, I want to get better at this and I want to lead our family well toward Christ. Uh, there's not a wife on this earth who is further along than you spiritually who would not love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So be all over that. And again, like singing and like worship, if for nothing else, you're just going to do it out of obedience to God. If it's a war on Sunday to get your kids up and out the door because you haven't been doing it their whole life, I just want to encourage you and hear you hear me say to you that you're on the right side of that battle. And even if it may feel fleeting or like you're really up against it, persevere. And the will of God is on your side there. And you should and you ought to press forward and encouraging your kids, even if it's new to them and they think you're nuts, get them in church. Uh, and that will not come back empty. You know, we all worship. We are made for worship. And if we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping something. And Emory, you talked about how that weekend time is so uh, essential and, and it's it's a premium. We don't get a lot of time where we're not working and doing these other things. But we can worship the God of, of you soccer or we can worship the God of the universe. And, uh, and I don't want to... This might be a feather ruffler. So let just hear it with, with, intention, with my intention, not with my words maybe. But I, I heard a, a, one of the elders at our church really modeled this well. He told his kids, 
we're going to sign up for all the sports you want to sign up for. But let your coach know if, if the game is on Sunday morning, we're going to make our very best efforts to get there as soon as church is over. And if that means we miss some games, we're going to miss some games. Uh, but we're going to be in attendance, worshiping God. And, and you're modeling for your kids what's most important. Even if they really hate you that Sunday morning when they're missing the whatever game, it, it, it's a very, very important thing to impress upon your kids. And you're showing them your heart. You're showing them what their dad loves. You're showing them what, what their dad finds most important in life. And they're going to remember that a lot more than they're going to remember the score of a game, you know? So, I don't yeah, know. man. And that's the, the, the feather ruffler yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, um, I've heard of, of parents even this week who are just like having to tell the coaches, Hey, look, similar thing. Like, Hey, we're just, we're not going to make it to everyone. If you choose to do this on a Sunday, Yep. And and I truly feel like if more Christian parents just drew that hard fast line, sure. Guess what would change? There are some great Christian athletes. They're going to make some schedules yeah. happen. Yeah. And and that that to me is uh you know, maybe <sighs> maybe the, a topic for another day. Oh yeah. But uh but no, I just um I do I I agree with what you said there. Like your your kids are they may be annoyed and upset with you, but the reality is you you love them by making sure that their spiritual walk is the most important thing because they are, they're, they're going to meet their savior for sure one day. And they're either going to bow the knee in submission or he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Yeah. And they may never meet a college recruiter. They're going to meet God. Mm. And to me, like, where do you put your time and energy? That's a heavy statement. I like that a lot. That That's critical. You know, I sometimes, and just broadly, godly manhood, broadly, not just in this topic. I think a lot about, I'm going to be dead, and my kids are going to explain to people here and there in their life who their dad was and what he loved. And uh, I think if the, the worst thing they can say is like, yeah, we didn't make it to all the whatever on Sundays, but my dad loved taking us to church. My dad really loved Jesus. He modeled that in his life. He sacrificed uh, so that he could serve the church more, whatever, however that that's going to come to be. Uh, godly men are building legacies, and, and we are going to have uh, nothing left of these mortal bodies, uh, and, and there will just be a memory for our children and our grandchildren about the kind of men we were and what we loved. And uh, I, would, I would really count it an honor if the thing that my kids told people about me someday is just how dedicated I was to the church, how much I loved it. And it served me so well for so long. And final note, Emery, I know you got to go to D group soon to grow in knowledge and understanding of I God's told them to come like 30 minutes later. Just so oh. oh, nice. Okay. Okay. I want to talk about uh, probably the most important thing that has happened for in my life that God has done to, to enrich my life through church uh, membership other than baptism and, and growing to know him better. If I t- to look at it from a practical standpoint, Nearly all of my friendships came from attendance uh, to church. That, that is where I've, I've met the majority of the men in my life that uh, count closest to me. Uh, that is, the, that is the, the basis from which uh, most of my friendships have grown because I know in, in a real and meaningful way that the foundation on which our friendship is built is different than worldly friendship. It's not based on um, football games or drinking beers and shooting pool. It's, it's built around our uh, desire to love the Lord and lead our family in that way. And that, that is, that, that has been so rich for me. Have you found 
church to be a good place, a good foundational place to kind of make friends and, and build your circle? Yeah, man. And yeah, for sure. So obviously I can even just looking around this room now, like I think Dave and I are probably fairly recent, what I would call friends. Like I'm yeah. just getting to know him better has been awesome. So, so there's one right there just sitting in this room where I'm going, oh, that's, that's one that I didn't have six months ago. Sure. We were in the same church. We just didn't talk all that often, just running in different circles. Now his daughter's in, in youth, and we're just developing a friendship that I love. But yeah, on top of that, though, not just people that, that I have commonalities with, but people that I have a whole lot not in common with. Yeah. That probably if I had met them anywhere else outside of, a, outside of Christ— wouldn't talk a lot. We don't have a lot in common. Yeah. But I've enjoyed so much the looking at someone saying, I'm, I'm that person's brother in Christ. I'm going to take them for coffee. That's going to probably be the most interesting experience and conversation I've ever had. Yeah. And then doing that and realizing like, oh, this, this guy's awesome. Yeah. And then just, just doing those things to me has been, I'm super extroverted anyway. So I'm always like, I'll grab you and I'll grab you. Um, I'm having breakfast with people that, and coffee with people that I, you asked me five years ago, I'm like, I don't know. Cause I wasn't running in the same circle, but yeah. within the faith, the church community, I mean, they're from, we, we say forever family in yeah. our church. Yeah, 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 It's real. Like why not go hang out with them? Cause I'm spending an eternity with this person. Yeah. I want to enjoy the fact that God placed me with them now here because I'm hanging out with them forever. I don't have a choice. Even so, even if I've grade on them a little bit with my extrovertedness, they're gonna have to suck it up because guess what? My extroverted behind is gonna be worshiping next to you in heaven. Here I come forever. Yeah, get over it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've made friends at our church that are forty years older than me, men who I count among my my closest confidants. I'm not forty years older than you, dude. You're close. I mean, I would say somewhere up there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, it, it they just come in all all shapes and sizes in 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 the church body. And one thing I always say is like, if I'm out of town. And my wife gets a flat tire on the side of the road. There are 40 men I can call that will drop everything they're doing. There are 100 men that I could call from our church that would drop everything they're doing and they would drive right there, right then in that moment and f- change her flat tire. Yeah. And um, you don't get that at work. You don't get that at the gym. You don't get that wherever your other social circles exist. I really like all my buddies from jujitsu. Most of them don't have driver's licenses, I'm finding out. But like, you know, those are not not the kind of buddies that you're going to call when you're like, hey, my roof collapsed, uh, my ceiling collapsed in the guest room. You know, those dudes aren't coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's just a different kind of friendship that comes. uh, And that's modeled in the New Testament. In Paul's letters, he talks a lot about his relationships there and his friendships. It's modeled in the Old Testament over and over and over again as well. Um, But doing life together side by side. And if you are the loner at church... Change it, change it. Just start asking dudes to go get wings. Yeah, just grab somebody, man. Like, don't be afraid to do it. Don't think I can say this for a fact. That at least in our church, if you ask someone to go hang out, they're they're doing it. They're gonna make it happen. It may not happen the week you want, yeah, at the time you want, but they're going to. Um, sometimes you just got to take that step of do, because it's not because they're trying to ignore you. It's probably just because they're they're doing that already. They just maybe haven't gotten to you yet. Yeah. Or, you know, look, they got two kids and two different basketball teams with two different schedules. Not that I'm saying that from a point of experience or anything. Uh, but I can't tell you how many friendships I started, grew and developed because we went out for chicken wings like that. It, like if you don't know what to do, you just go up to one of these dudes that you think is cool and just say, 
uh, give me a day when we can go eat chicken wings. Yeah. Because nobody's turning that down. And if they're vegan, pick another guy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You don't want that friend. And Probably not. I'm just kidding. No. No, for sure be friends with the vegans at your church. I'm just saying, can they lift the spare tire out of the trunk? Yeah, they're probably not going to help you change um, your wife's tire. Be friends with those two. That was a joke. Emery just said a minute ago, guys I would never hang out with. He meant vegans. He's friends with now, and that's a miracle. That's a Jesus miracle. So, okay. Full disclosure, just so people know we're not making fun of people who eat things that no man would really eat. I currently have chicken bacon in my cabinet that's made from like chicken thigh meat. That's disgusting. So that's close to vegan. I would say if they don't want to eat meat, don't cause them to stumble. It's no big deal. To quote Paul. Uh, is that the quote? That's exactly what it says. <laughs> Okay. Is there anything else we need to talk about this before we hit our about this topic before we hit our speed dating? Question? I think the only other thing I'd say, please, is, is I know that we have people listening to this who wouldn't maybe count themselves as believers. They don't know. Um, I would just say, man, like there's so much going on in the world today. You have to have questions about it. things are going on in your life that you have to wonder why. And we just spent uh, let's see an hour and two minutes and thirty six seconds um, talking about God, and you're like. Well, I'm not a godly man. Why go to church? I would say that those questions you have and all the things going on in the world right now um, that you're trying to figure out answers um, for in, in whatever way you're doing it in your life right now, that's a good reason. Go talk to someone. Go to a local church. Even if it's even if you don't have a Christian friend, hey, hit me up, thegodlymanhoodpodcast at gmail.com. Shoot me your address. I will help you find a church to just go drop in and ask those questions too. Or you can ask us. But man, go to a church, um, and if you're, a, if you would count yourself as a repentant follower of Jesus, and you're listening to this, and you haven't been at church in a while, hey, you got five, what, six days to figure out where you're going on Sunday. This comes out on Tuesdays. Tuesdays, so five, five days. days. So you got five days. I keep forgetting. Yeah. What day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All good. Oh, no, that that's great advice. That's really good advice. Um, I will just tell those men to. Uh, who are not following Jesus. It, it, you know, you talk about the craziness of the world. I, I'm a follower of Jesus because my heart uh, was broken over my sin and the Holy Spirit softened my heart to love that God and follow that that God. But I will also say that it is the lens through which I see the world and nothing ever has made as much sense. Yep. So yep. when you're looking at the chaos and the, and the craziness and the why, the big why questions, in my experience... Those answers, those are best answered with the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and trying to figure out why bad things happen, why there's all this upside down uh, in the world. And, and it all boils back down to the answer is, is sin. And we see that in the Bible. And there's an explanation for that, that that can make a lot of sense. So yeah, seek, seek answers to those hard questions in, in church. And if you are wondering what sin is specifically, episode four of the Godly Manhood podcast covered that yeah. last week. If you're new to us. Back up one week. Hit play. And then leave us a five-star review. And then win a book. And enter our contest. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well done. I like that. Yeah, man. Um, so we got the serious stuff out of the way. Finally. I, I'm so sick of talking about good, edifying things. Let's talk about useless information. Yeah, and uh, before I came in here earlier, I told Karen, I was like, I'm looking up some speed dating questions for tonight. And she's like, it really bothers me that you call it that when it's just you and Brian and David sitting around a table 
And I was like, do you have any other suggestions? She's like, no. And I was like, then we're going to call it speed dating. I like it. I like, is that our icebreakers? And I think speed dating is much way, better, way funner. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'll go first. You've been holding on to this one for I heard a while one. and I'm kind of nervous at this point. So I heard one last week, David, are you on? Yeah, I'm on. Okay. Okay. What is the lowest amount of money you would accept to take the last year off your life? I feel like this is a setup because I'm kind of like, I know where I'm going. Whatever, dude. The okay. lowest amount, I'd do it for a cheeseburger. <laughs> like the, the the previous year or the last year the that last, you would live? The last year of your life. So if you're going to live oh, to be 100, oh. now you're 99. Oh, okay. You're so going to die. Instead question. of 75, you're going to die at 74. Fill in the blank. Okay. So so to shave one year off of your total life, what's the lowest mon- amount of money you would take? How much time do I get You do after? not get to know. So like, but I get the money before I kill that over? That day. You get it that day. How much is a Buick Grand National right now? Uh, $34,000. $34,000. <laughs> if I could drive it for, for a little bit. Yeah. That would be. Okay. That sounds petty. Mm. That's a low number. But I figure my boys will enjoy it. That's a really low number. David? Half a mil. Half a million. Take that last year off. $500,000. Yeah. Leave, leave enough with my wife to pay the house off and- and have a little nest egg after that. Okay. I guess I should have thought about my wife instead of the So I think the real conundrum here is I'm 36. What if I'm only going to live to be 38? So I don't know that there is a dollar amount that I would accept. I have to say something. Oh, so, okay, I see. Because I don't know what I'm I'm assuming that I'm going to. I think it's even worse if you take the wager and then they go, and now we're going to tell you when that's going to be, because then you're going to know. Yeah, I wouldn't want to know. Yeah, I wouldn't want to know. Absolutely not. You definitely don't want to know. Good. Yeah. I don't feel like I should, because like, what if I die? What if I, I'm only going to go to 40? And so like, you know, I'm really reluctant. So it would have to be a baller number, like $100 million for me. $100 million? $100 million. Generational wealth Yeah. For the kids? Yeah. Or just like a sick IMB gift at my death. Lottie Moon's going to be amazing that They're year. They're going to hit full funding. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, I feel so petty and horrible. Yeah, you guys honestly, thought about family. I'm car, like, Grand National, baby. I, I would do a lot for a Buick or Grand National. I just don't think I'd give up the last year of my life for it. But I would give up probably a certain number of fingers. Not 10, but I'd probably give up. Enough to grip the steering wheel. It's so like put a, like a, a semi- Knob yeah. on the, on the one wall. of those door handle uh, door knobs. Yeah, I have to be able to shift. So I need like a mitt. Yep. Okay. All right. What are, What are your uh, What are your so, questions? I don't have my phone anymore that had them on it. Uh oh. So that's it's cool. I remember them though. Okay. All right. So zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Which I'm kind of waiting for. Uh, if of I'm course. being real. Okay. Uh, what's three things you're taking with you, and you're going to make sure you have with you during the zombie apocalypse? Yeah. Um, Vienna sausages in a can. Preferably the jalapeno. Um, I'm inclined to say, naturally I want to say shotgun, but I think longer range is probably better. So some sort of rifle, .30-06 or something. And then, uh, boy, I already said Vienna sausages. I guess uh, mm, probably some water purification. Yeah, that's it for me. Those are good. Yeah. Yeah. Life straws a good idea. Yeah. Um, and if they want to sponsor us, I could use some more life straws. Uh, Shout out to life straws. Send them, tell them the godly man her podcast sent you. So I'm definitely taking my, my AR. So do I get to take 
like magazines and ammo with this thing. You're going to get us so flagged from from Apple Podcasts by just even talking about assault rifle. AR, sorry. Well, I didn't Paralyzed. say that. I just said AR, so they don't know. Okay. They don't, I can be talking about anything. Okay. Um, I don't, I'm a huge redneck that thinks Vienna sausages are the worst tasting things on the planet. So I feel like half of my redneck card is gone right now. Well. But I would definitely take Spam. Yeah, okay. Like spam. I love Spam. Fair alternative, yeah. I made I made uh, Spam sushi one night for our life group. That's a wild choice. Yeah. Okay. It was not, didn't go over well. Okay. I was the only one that ate it, I think, outside of a Ron Brubaker. That means. He tried some. God bless Ron. Yeah. Brave, He's got a good heart. Soul. He's got a good heart. Um, so, man, what's the third thing? Third thing. I feel like I'd want a long-edged weapon of some sort. Mm-hmm. Sure. Maybe like one of those, uh, what they're called? Katana. Well, now, like, well, a katana would be sweet. That worked for the one chick in The Walking Dead. What are those things the uh, the dudes that protect the Pope have? They're, like, on a stick, and they look like they got, like, a... Spears? Not a spear, <laughs> but they got, like, a weird curve to the top. They're kind of... And they got, like, a, a point out one side. I don't know what they are. Wow. But it'd be something with a really long pole and sharp on the end. That checks out. David, what are you bringing? Standoff weapon. Uh, ghillie suit, number one. You'd be able to hide, call up on uh, outposts. Ghillie suit... Um, first aid kit of some sort. Good call. I'm I'm prone to stabbing myself. Yeah. Um, and then I have to go with an AR as well because there's going to be enough bullets for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Listener, ask David next time you see him about the time he ended up in the hospital last winter uh, field dressing a deer. Yeah. It's terrible. <clears throat> he confused the flesh of a deer for the flesh of a man, and he was that man. Okay, last question. I have a quick ghillie suit story. Though. Oh, yeah, go. So when I was a Marine at uh, 3rd Battalion, 4th Marines, our barracks was right up against the back of what's called Camp Margarita on Camp Pendleton. And the Division Sniper School was on our camp. Okay. And they used to get in their ghillie suits and do the training where they kind of hide and have to, like, stalk in right behind our barracks. So this is in my pre-salvation days. So a lot of us Marines on the back would, would get a little tore up, and we'd yell and point these guys out while they're trying to stalk. And we would yell, Sasquatch! Sasquatch! Is that where this uh, fascination is? It might have been. But when you said Gilly says, the first thing that came to my mind was yelling with all the, all the guys on the back deck, yelling at the uh, Sasquatches and stalking in. Am I That's the only one that when a Christian says, in my pre-salvation days, I listen twice as hard? As soon as that sentence comes out of somebody's mouth, because you know the story's going to be wild? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that wasn't even a wild story, but it was just Pretty Gilly good. suit. My squirrel brain. Squirrel. Yeah. Uh, last one. Okay. What's a food combination that you enjoy that other people think is the weirdest thing on the planet? A couple of things uh, came to my mind. Uh, first of all, Pastor Jonathan at our church thinks it's super weird that I eat this, and I don't think it's unusual at all. So maybe you guys could just weigh in. When I go to a restaurant and if I get French fries, I'm getting mustard. Like I just like mustard with my French fries. I don't think that's particularly weird. It's very weird. Is it? Absolutely. It's a little different. I mean, I do mustard like tater tots. How was that different? Ketchup. Well, with ketchup, like I have to make no, it no ketchup. You're I'm just not a ketchup doing guy. mustard. I don't like ketchup. I like mustard. Um, so I guess that. And then uh, I eat this stuff called tiger sauce. If you've not had tiger sauce, they sell it at Kroger. It sounds l- illegal. Oh, it's so good. It's like uh, kind of like a like a sweet chili sauce sort of deal. And uh, I put that on uh, chicken or steak with rice, and then like blue cheese dressing on the side. It's yeah, that would make some Goodness. people really. I, you know what? I don't even like this that. Date is that. over, sir. Yeah. Edit that out, please. Okay. How about you, David? Uh, I've always been a macaroni and ketchup guy. Oh. I don't know. I Something about that combination is clarity. fantastic. Point of clarity. Macaroni and cheese? Yes. Macaroni and cheese with ketchup. Some ketchup, There's, like just it's, it's seeping that, in from the side. That's just, it's that tangy oh, with that 
I don't know. It's just for me, it's David. It's your spot. your white trash background is showing. <laughs> so I actually agree on that one. Like Thank if you. a little if a little ketchup like comes over to the Mac, I'm indication. It's pretty good. Yeah, by the by the Appalachian Studies major. Okay, hey, keep going. Man. Got to do weird things for that degree. Uh, so mine is spaghetti, like spaghetti, like with the sauce and everything on it, mm-hmm. and applesauce. Awful. That, that what? Yeah. So when I was a kid, I don't know how it happened, but at some point in my childhood, there was applesauce and spaghetti on the plate together. Some of it mixed, and I was like, "That's pretty good." So in the Marines, we get MREs. We had spaghetti MREs with the applesauce. I'd always throw my applesauce in with the spaghetti. Lock this man. Like, I have not done that for a long time. That applesauce and the MREs is good though. It's pretty good. It's and a, the blueberry cobbler. It really hits. Like. And it hits after the fact. It, it does. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you listeners were looking for a reason to enlist in the armed forces, you heard it here first, the MREs. So I, I, I want to know how old this revelation happened for you. Like how old was I? Yeah. How old were you when you first found out that that was a I had it been like probably eight or nine. Like it was like, it, was just, it just mixed on my plate. And I'm like, that's really good. So hmm. I, I would actually sometimes like go get some applesauce and stick it on the plate when we were eating spaghetti. Like I have not done that. As an adult, I don't think outside of the Marine Corps with my MREs. You're making you're making me think about a product that I grew up with that I love and I can't get it here. They just don't say it's just regional, I guess. But my family's from Iowa, and uh, Muscleman's applesauce. They have a chunky applesauce. Oh. It's real big out there. My grandma always had it, and I would eat droves of that stuff. And I can't find it at all here. Yeah, I, haven't, I don't remember the last time I saw chunky apples. So great, so great. Yeah. Anyway, you want to do one more? My D group's not here for like ten more minutes. Sure. You got uh, here's one. There's one off the top of my head that I was thinking about last week. And uh, so, is there anything weird that you do in your household, like like you'd say, as a a Barnes family cultural thing that no one else probably does, or people would hear you do it and be like, "That's odd." Like just within your household, I, there are probably twenty of those things I got to think about for a second. Do you have anything like that? Yeah, mine's like I'm gonna ruin all the future like two truths and a lie things and all that for me on this podcast. Okay. So mine is, in our household, when we buy a new toilet brush, we take the wrapper off and lick it. For good luck. Just, so it started as, as again, as a Marine, me and my buddy, I won't say his name because he works like for the CIA now, but we used to lick the toilet brushes in the base PX. We'd go through and just grab them. That's and, horrific. And lick them. <laughs> stick them back on the shelf because they're like they're like half wrapped or whatever i need therapy so ever since then it's been like something i've got pictures i think with all my kids i think houston hasn't done it yet we haven't done it in a while our toothbrush or not toothbrushes our toilet brushes are still pretty new he just he won't do it he's the smart one of the family yeah clearly but yeah so we look we lick the new toilet brush that's a fips tradition david do you have anything like that i i can't think of anything weird that we do you're a pretty weird family I, I'm a weird person. I have weird family, but together, I can't think of anything weird that we do. Yeah, I don't know. I I think there are probably a lot of things that I don't think are weird that other people think are weird, you know? You know, my kids were exposed to mixed martial arts really young. Yeah, the the I can I can definitely go with the, the MMA stuff. My my kids will wrestle all the time for Whatever reason, and they like They're to wrestle all the kids girls. Well. They are. They are girls, uh, 12 and 9, but they are the same size, so we didn't get to do any of the hand-me-down stuff. Do they just scream, like, want to wrestle, or they, what do they do? No, usually one is mad at the other, okay. and then 
they just fight and then it's like okay well, it's jujitsu and it never ends that well yeah my kids were really into ufc really young that's kind of weird and then the music i think you know we're not a traditional classic rock family we're a punk rock and heavy metal family and i think that's pretty non-traditional uh but yeah other than that i think uh that's about it for us we're not we're not super weird. Uh, we're not licking to- toilet brushes. We're not licking really anything. That's kind of a house the toilet rule. brush thing is it's over the line. Too much. Too much. So, okay. Well, we're going to wrap this one up. Thanks for listening to the Godly Manhood Podcast. Don't forget to rate us, leave a review, send a screenshot, and win a book. Thank you again for listening to the Godly Manhood Podcast. We'll catch you next week with another episode. Thanks, guys. Peace.